how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there, the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, now, I'm going to get Diedrich to work really hard at the back. He's doing a brilliant job. Um, but hopefully on the screen is either going to be my PowerPoint. Or, yes. So if you can join at Slido, I'm just going to start off with a, a couple of quick questions. So all you do, go slido.com and then type in CCL. Uh, I want to know two things. Uh, the first thing is, what are you going to do later? So just go to slido.com, type in CCL, um, and then we'll see uh, what everyone's going to do a little bit later. Are you going to watch the FA Cup final, or are you going to go to the variety show? And then hopefully that should come up. Uh, so, oh, we've got 100% of people watching the football at the moment. Oh, it's coming up a little bit more for the variety show. Yep, a few more people log in. Uh, I'm going, I think, FA Cup final. Uh, send it in. Right, uh, Okay, it's, it's looking like most people towards the football. Deidre, if you can move on to the next poll. Okay, the next poll. Oh, oh, it's, we're getting halfway. Oh, 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 moving live. Uh, go, go for the next poll. Okay, next poll uh, says that this. I want you to write down things that are good for me, uh, but I don't really enjoy. So something that is good for me, but I don't really enjoy. You've got up to, I think, 25 characters or something like that. Um, uh, well, let's, let's see what we're going to get. Things that are good for me. Uh, so what have we got going on there? So most people, we've got uh, exercise, eating right, eating vegetables. Uh, okay, so the, the, our top ones, exercise, <laughs> linked with running and jogging. But you've also got in there... So basically, anything being healthy, we, don't we know it's good for us and we don't massively like. But we've also got in there, you've got church as well. Something that is good for me, but sometimes I don't always like. I half thought that may be an answer. If we go on to the PowerPoint, because I think that sometimes, and especially since lockdown, uh, it can feel a little bit like that. I, I understand that some of us maybe feel a bit apathetic towards church, maybe feel just a bit kind of meh to it. Uh, but God wants us this morning to see and to sense the blessing of being together as God's people. So this morning, I want to help to convince you that King Jesus wants us to enjoy being his people together. Not just think it's a good thing, but to enjoy it. So we're going to have a look at uh, this passage. It's in, in here. I haven't given you like sermon uh, headings or anything. Just feel free with a pen. Just scroll on it. Write down things that might be interesting to you or something that stands out. There'll be some other applications as well. So feel free to write on the passage if you want to do that. Uh, but let's have a look at it. So Psalm 133, verse 1. David writes this. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Now, the NIV has been a little bit cheeky here in its translation. It's missed out the first word. And the first word is behold. Behold how good and pleasant. That is, look at, hold, ponder, think about. 
So if you've ever been uh, around little kids, uh, I've, I've got three, and my kids always uh, come up to me and say, Daddy, look at this. They want to show me um, this really badly coloured in picture of a rocket. They want to show me the dead rat that they've found. They want me to look at the fact that they wrote their name. And this song starts with, Behold. It calls all the singers to stop and to look at and to think about, to appreciate the blessing of being united together with God's people. You see, Christians aren't islands cut off from everybody else. We're not to be lone rangers going and trying to save the world by ourselves. As we saw in the prayer and praise, we are a diverse group of people saved together and united. Okay? Now, I live uh, right by Anfield uh, Stadium, and one thing that happens as people move towards the stadium is that they start singing. They start gathering in groups and singing. So today, as people are walking towards Wembley Stadium, it's, it's happening right now. There are a bunch of people who are grabbing hold of each other and singing about how Liverpool is the best team in Europe and how they're so glad that Jürgen is a red. And as they walk towards the stadium... More and more people will gather to that group. And it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what race, what gender, what class. If they've got a Liverpool shirt on and they are singing, they belong. They are united. And there's something really attractive about that unity. It might be that you're not into football and you just think, oh, I don't like that idea. But, But the idea of being united together with others, united in joyful celebration, Oh, we long for that, especially in our world at the moment. Now, now Psalm 133 uh, was written by King David as a celebration of unity. Probably what's happened is David has managed to unite his kingdom. He's got kind of warring parts together. And now, instead of killing each other, all his people are dwelling under his rule and are able to enjoy unity. I think... I mean, the war in Ukraine is absolutely shocking for loads of reasons. But one of the reasons it's so shocking is because the Russians are saying the Ukrainians are our brothers and they're killing them. It's shocking. We, we don't want division. We want unity. And you've probably noticed that we seem to live in an increasingly polarized and, and divided society. We live in a world that feels increasingly disconnected. So here in the UK, a recent survey said that 25 million people in the UK say that they occasionally, sometimes, or often feel lonely. 25 million people. In a world that's more connected than ever, we feel disconnected, alone, misunderstood, ignored. And for many of us, kind of social media offers the connection that we long for, but it fails to deliver. Uh, I think the PowerPoint's died. Don't worry about it. Uh, there's going to be a quote from Jonathan Haid in an article in The Atlantic. Um, he wrote an article about social media, and he said one of, the, one of the things that stood out to me is he said this. Political extremists don't just shoot darts at their enemies. They spend a lot of their ammunition targeting dissenters or nuanced thinkers on their own team. In this way, social media makes a political system based on compromise grind to a halt. On Twitter, you either agree with me or you are out. Unity only exists 
if you agree with absolutely everything I say. And that's a hostile place to be. And it's into our disconnected and divided world that this psalm shows a unity that is good and enjoyable. See it? Behold how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like a warm hug in our increasingly fractured uh, world that's moving towards disconnection. I, I think especially post-lockdown, um, we just seem to be more and more disconnected. Instead of popping around to our friends to see them, we, we, we drop them on WhatsApp or we just stalk them on Facebook. Instead of going out for food, we get somebody to come and deliver it and we don't even talk to the person who drops the food off. Instead of going to work and seeing people and chatting around the, the, in the kitchen when we're making a drink, we just work from home and keep ourselves to ourselves. We're becoming increasingly disconnected. Instead of hanging out with friends, we're more likely to stay at home and watch Netflix. Now, I found the last few years of lockdown a bit bruising, and I feel a bit weary when it comes to relationships. I, I, in some way, I find them a bit harder. I think many of us are, are scarred by what's gone on over the last few years, and we're beginning to prefer our own company. But this psalm announces truth. It tells us, behold, look at, consider, think about something. Did you see it in verse 1? David uses two positive words there in verse 1. He says, it is good. It's good that that word good has a kind of moral sense, as in it's the right thing. It's how it ought to be. We shouldn't be warring with each other. We should be united. It's what's required. We should be united. But David says it's more than a simple duty. It's not like exercise. It's a good thing to do, but I don't, don't enjoy it. He says that actually it should be a delight. Not just a duty, a delight as well. It is good. We know unity is how it ought to be, but also it's pleasant. It's how we want things to be. David unified his kingdom and brought peace between his people. There was no longer any war. They were all united. And instead of dividing with each other, they were able to move together in love. And King David points us to a greater king, to King Jesus. King Jesus is the one who brings unity. So local churches like yours and like mine are an earthly expression of a heavenly reality. See, the reason why Twitter is such a hostile place is because nobody is in charge and everyone does as they see fit. The reason why there's war in Ukraine is because Putin is in charge and he's wicked. To bring unity... We need a loving ruler who we can all submit to and who will care for us. And you see, we have a, a king better than David. He saves all sorts of people and unites them together in one family. So uh, I'll just read a little bit from Ephesians 2. We don't have time to have a look at it all. But Ephesians 2 um, says this. Remember, you were without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, 
thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Church doesn't simply be a, a good thing that we get involved with as if it's like a duty. It's an earthly expression of a divine reality of what Jesus is doing in the universe. He is saving sinners and gathering them together as one. You see, at the end, we are in God's household, his family. God loves unity. Our, our God is a, a tri-unity. He is a trinity of Three persons, and each person is perfectly loving the others. And he created the world to, to share that love. So at the very beginning, God was walking amongst the garden, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and there was a perfect relationship between him and his creation. But then through our sin, through our rebellion, that was disrupted. Unity became separation. Closeness distance. And our sin didn't only affect our relationship with God, it affects our relationships with each other. And that is why life in this world is so often marked by disconnection, loneliness, separation. It's because of sin. But King Jesus is the good king who is able to bring unity by dealing with our sin. See, through his death on the cross, we're able to be forgiven and welcomed into his kingdom. It's a kingdom where none of us deserve to be there, but all of us belong because of him. We are living in a world that is encouraging us to withdraw and divide. But God is at work saving and uniting sinners in Christ. So if you're not yet a Christian here today, you are really welcome. I hope that you can see that Jesus isn't just some random bloke. He is God in skin, offering to forgive your sin, offering to welcome you into his kingdom, a kingdom of unity and peace. You just need to turn to him, confess your sin, bow the knee. He will warmly welcome you. And if you're a Christian, you'll know that's true. But you'll also have a bit of a taste of how verse 1 is true for you. Um, let me just read. Uh, this is a quote from Bonhoeffer. He, he says this. The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. So the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to a believer. Let me give you some examples. So it's like, it's like when we're uh, singing. You can sing at home by yourself in the shower. You can praise, praise God wherever you want to do that. But there's something about singing together that just encourages us and strengthens us. That I think I'm not alone in the Christian life. We're in this together. Or maybe you, you get talking to somebody at church who just seems so different to you. But then you realize how much in common you've got because of Jesus. Or maybe it's that your connect group has supported you through some really difficult times. Or maybe somebody in church has wronged you, and then they've come up and they've apologized, and that relationship has been restored. Or maybe it's that you've walked into church and you've been really warmly welcomed rather than ignored. 
Or maybe you've been in a position where you've just been pushing people away and away and away and somebody has stuck by you and they've stuck with you and they've helped you to feel like you belong. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Now, in a moment, uh, I'm going to get you to, in pairs, share uh, maybe a couple of examples of times when Christian unity has been a blessing to you when it's been a good and a pleasant thing. But before I do that, I just want to address the elephant in the room. Uh, Because this psalm was written by King David, and it was sung by lots of Jews as they ascended up to the temple. See, it says it's a song of ascent. That that means that God's people were coming to celebrate certain festivals, and they were going up Mount Zion, and as they were going up the mount, they would sing these songs together. But by the time Psalm 133 was written down, and gathered together in in the book of the Psalms, uh, it would actually have been read by some people who were post-exilic Jews. That means that they were Jews who'd returned to God's land, and it looked like God's promises were in tatters. They had all sorts of questions about what is God doing in the world? Is he really going to keep his promises? As they read Psalm 133 and looked around, they probably thought, we don't have that now. This was something that they were longing for in the future. They were waiting for a better king to come, one who would reunite all of God's people and make the psalm a reality. So so as Christians, as we read this this verse, there is a very real sense that we can see verse 1 and say that is our present experience. But it's also true that it's a now and a not yet thing. We have the appetizer now, but we're waiting for the main meal. We can enjoy gospel unity now, but there is much better yet to come. When King Jesus returns. So don't worry if your experience of church isn't as good as this psalm says. Now, I know that churches are full of saved sinners. We are a work in progress. So we're not all there yet. But I reckon Christians all get a bit of a taste of verse 1. And I'd love you just to get chatting together in pairs, just for two minutes, sharing uh, an example of when it has been good and pleasant for you to be in church. So it's something that's just encouraged you about being together with other Christians. Maybe it's something that's happened a long time ago, something around lockdown, I'm doing something today. Just in pairs, share something. Now, if you want, on that slide, I will open it up and people can clip things in there. But we've got three minutes, turn in pairs, and just share an example of how this has been true of you. So hopefully, I'm going to stop talking now, you're all start talking, and if people want to stick it on Slido, we might see some examples as well. Off you go.
And the last 30 seconds or so, if you want to stick anything on slide, don't you chair, feel free to do that. Great, oh, there's a lot of things there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can have a look at those. Um, but what I want to do for the last 10 minutes or so is I want to help you feel what this psalm teaches. I think that's what's going on in verses 2 and 3. Okay, so you notice in verse 2 and 3 we get some vivid pictures of what unity is like. It is like this and it is like that. So in verse 2, it is like... It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Now, uh, this song is a 3,000-year-old song, so it's all right if we don't quite get all the cultural references, okay? Uh, but there's something that's really clear as we just read it. We can see that it's about oil that's going down. And it's not just like one little drop of oil. There's lots and lots of oil that is coming down. There's an excessive amount of this kind of running down. Okay, And what's going on here is David is thinking about the time when Aaron was anointed with precious oil. So if you want to find out more about that, you can go away and read Exodus chapter uh, 29 and 30. Uh, but this guy Aaron was around well before David was born, and Aaron was the first high priest. Okay, so Aaron's job was to represent the people to God and God to the people. And before he started that job, he got anointed, he got kind of set apart, and he was anointed with this special oil. And we're actually told that it was, it was a special perfume made with lots of specific spices. And he had lots of this perfume poured on his head. Uh, now, I've got a very beautiful assistant. Come on, beautiful assistant. And we've got the lovely Martin. Come on, Tina. Come on, stand up here. Excellent. Give, give him a, a... Martin always needs a round of applause. Um, now, all I need you to do, Martin, is stand there and shit spray the very cheap aftershave okay and you can't don't just spray a little bit the whole point of it is that there is loads and loads do you see what's going on in here they've got this perfume and it's mixed together don't know not me just generally okay um and what happens is that there's this special oil and it's got lots and lots of spices and and things in it and it smelt and it was used to anoint everything that was in the temple and then loads of it was poured on top of Aaron. do you see now, I don't really have a favourite shop in Liverpool one, but if my wife Ruth does, I think it's probably Hollister. And it's not because um, of the like, really dim lighting or the overpriced clothes, it's because of the smell. She loves that smell. So smells are evocative, aren't they? And as verse 2 happened, it would have been filled with a smell. Not a smell that triggers, oh, I need to buy a new pair of jeans but a smell that reminds you, I am set apart. He's called me for a special relationship. Okay, stop even. I'm gonna <laughs> you can go and take that one away. <laughs> right, hand, hands up. How far has the smell gone? Who, who's getting a whiff of that? No, not yet. Don't worry, it may come your way. We don't want to fill the room too much. But what happens with that smell is it spreads around. We're in a massive building here. But in, put your eyes on verse 2. David is saying... Unity between Christians is like an excessive blessing from God that makes you aware you are set apart. You are his. 
So, so in this ceremony, where the high priest is set apart, you see there's this excessive pouring down, running down, dripping down. God is lavishly saying, you're mine. And that's why Christian unity is so good and pleasant. It is God saying to you, you are mine. It helps us to feel that we are set apart, that we belong. There is something powerful in our senses. It's not just a a kind of a head knowledge, I know this, but physically being present with other Christians helps us to experience the fact that we are set apart as God's people. Let me say that again. Being physically present with other Christians helps us experience the fact that we are set apart as God's people. So there's someone in my church who's decided he's not going to come to church anymore because he wants to concentrate on his emotional health. And he's, he's cutting himself off from this great blessing of gathering together with other Christians, which brings assurance. It helps us feel that we belong. And so now he's really struggling as a Christian. He's always had his doubts, but now he isn't dwelling together with other Christians in unity. He isn't being together with other Christians And he's missing out on that feeling which unity brings to help us know that we are set apart and belong to God. So, next slide. Christian unity is like a holy smell. It helps you feel the truth that you really are set apart for God. But look at verse 3. It's also like miraculous refreshment. Uh, Next slide. Here we go. Um, so Mount Hermon, when we talk about Mount Hermon, Mount, sorry, Mount Hermon is the tallest mountain uh, in Israel at the time. So it's 100 miles north of where Mount Zion is, but it's 2,000 meters higher. And Mount Hermon has snow in the winter. It's got a ski resort there, um, and it's cool and moist. Um, little Mount Zion is basically the opposite. It is dry and hot. So as you get the image of what Christian unity is like, It's as if the Jew of Hermon were falling down on Mount Zion. It's like refreshment. Christian unity is like refreshment in a dry place. It is like snow coming to the desert. Dwelling in unity with other believers refreshes your soul. So so we had our uh, church weekend away uh, last month, and it was so refreshing. In one sense, it wasn't, because there were loads of kids running around, and it was just like chaos for certain bits. But for people feeling spiritually dry and disconnected, getting together and spending time with each other was a great encouragement. You see, we all get spiritually dry sometimes, and the king says, when you enjoy Christian unity, you will find refreshment. Maybe through the encouragement of a friend or maybe even the rebuke of a leader or as you sing God's praises with other people, miraculous refreshment can come. So I'm going to be encouraging my friend to come back to church. He feels like he needs to take some time away to work on his emotional health. But the reality is, he's actually, if he's actually in church, then he can experience this miraculous refreshment. Like the Jew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion. And to David, Mount Zion is the place where the temple is. And it's so important. It's where the high priest offers the sacrifices. It's where life forevermore comes from. Now, for Christians, we don't have a special place or a special temple. 
Uh, you don't need Morris or Josh or whoever to dress up in special robes and pour perfume over each other each Sunday. Probably the best thing. <laughs> All of those things point to Jesus. You see, we are together to come to Jesus. He's the great high priest. He's the atoning sacrifice. He's the king who brings people together in unity. He is the place where we meet with God. And as we come to him, the blessings flow down. Do you see that in verse 2 and 3? The, the, the blessings are all blessings that come down. They are not blessings that are earned. They are given. God graciously gives, gives them to us in Jesus. He graciously gives us unity together. And he wants us to enjoy that unity which is a holy smell that helps us to feel that we really are set apart as people and that can bring refreshment to us when we are spiritually dry. Well, as I finish, I've got one big application. Uh, I'm a man of small brain, so it's nicked from the Bible. It's uh, easier that way. Um, and so the uh, big application is this. Uh, next slide or two. Um, here we go. Make every effort to maintain the unity through the bond of peace. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit. So the risen Lord Jesus has given unity to Christians. And we're not called to manufacture it. We're called to maintain it. Okay? So Christian unity is really precious in the local church where we dwell together. It's this generous gift from God. It helps us feel, I, I am set apart. I do, do belong to his people. And it can bring us miraculous refreshment. So make every effort to maintain it. Here are six quick thoughts about what it might mean for use. Firstly, prioritize time physically being with other Christians. Okay, so it's easy to watch the service online or, or listen to a podcast and eat some pancakes on a Sunday morning, but if you do that, you are missing out on this experience of blessing that God offers. And on a smaller scale, in our Christian friendships during the week, I think we should all make it as much of an effort as we can to be physically present with people. So WhatsApp is great and uh, phone calls are great, but verse 1, there's something about being physically present with each other that leads to this blessing. So create time in your week to spend with Christians and to enjoy unity. So you guys have already made a good start, haven't you? You're here and we've got some free time this afternoon, so there's a great way to use it. But also, here's my suggestion. All of us have to eat, and most of us eat three meals a day. So that's 21 meals in a week. Why not use some of those meal times to eat with some Christians and seek to encourage them? You'll get more of this blessing, I think. Uh, and my second thought builds on that. Choose to get to know and serve others in church. Okay, I've got a suggestion. I, I, I'm pretty convinced it's biblical, but um, feel free to shoot me down for heresy. Okay. If you want more blessing in your life, this sounds like a, a risky thing. If you want more blessing in your life, open up your life to more Christians and seek to serve them. See, if you've only got one Christian friend, I think you'll experience this, this blessing in a limited way. But if you open up your life so that you're growing relationships of love with lots of different types of people, young and old, male and female, English, Chinese, Scousers, Southerners, then as that circle grows, what I find is that I'm more regularly struck by the greatness of what God is doing in the gospel. And I'm a very small cog in this, this big machine. 
And when I'm spiritually dry, it's often in the midst of those relationships that I find this miraculous refreshment. Thirdly, when you aren't feeling it, that is the time to keep coming to church. Uh, When we're feeling spiritually dry uh, and when we're lacking assurance that we're part of God's people, we can often want to just withdraw from other Christians. Well, this time I'm saying, don't do that. You're removing yourself from the very thing that can really help you. I get it. I understand. But when we lack assurance, when we feel spiritually dry, we can sometimes feel like a bit of a hypocrite. I can't go there. I need to work this out for myself. But don't do that. Don't break away. Pursue unity. In the midst of those struggles, go and ask a Christian friend. I'm really struggling in this way. Can you pray for me? Would you encourage me? I found that great help. Maybe you could share that with your small group. It just made the world of good. Fourthly, uh, pursue on-the-ground unity over your particular pet projects. I think it's easy within church for most of us have to, to have our own kind of pet projects, the things that we think are the most important. And sometimes they can become a source of division. I think my thing's more important than your thing. And this psalm calls us to realize that some of the best things about being church is just being together, gathered with God's people under King Jesus. So don't let your pet projects or your personal preferences destroy the great thing Jesus has given. I guess don't be like people on Twitter, having to go at everybody who disagrees with you. Because King Jesus is on his throne to honor him by pursuing loving unity in this church. It's more important than just some little pet projects. Fifthly, fight sin. I think basically this is like, the fight sin point is an hour or five hours seminar. We're not going to give it the time it needs. But basically, sin is the enemy of unity. Someone wrote this. Sin fragments us, separates us, and sentences us to solitary confinement. The gospel restores us, unites us, and sets people in church, young and old, male and female, Sets people in community. The reality is, this side of glory, we are all going to be tempted to sin against one another, and we all will do it. The world, the flesh, and the devil want that to happen. So let's seek to fight sin. Let's seek to fight that temptation to gossip about one another, to mistreat one another. And when we do sin against each other, let's be quick to confess quick to forgive, quick to restore one another to that peace. Finally, keep an eye on the future. I think this psalm should make us realise there are lots of blessings in being together as, as Christians, but we don't quite have it all now. We want better. So look forward to the day when we will all be gathered around the Lord Jesus. Now, I don't know how the FA Cup final is going to go, um, Liverpool could very well lose. And if they do, I think the people who were singing before are going to stop singing. Or maybe they'll win and then it'll wear off. There's always some, some other victory that we're waiting for. As Christians, that is not the position that we are in. The Lord Jesus has won the victory. He is on the throne and he will return and we will be gathered around him. And we will rejoice forever. So look forward to that day. 
Let me read uh, these words from Revelation and pray. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Heavenly Father, we long for that day. We long for the Lord Jesus to come back. We pray that he would. And as we wait in this gap, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to enjoy and experience the blessing of being together with your people. Father, where we have struggles in this way, would you strengthen us? Would you help us to be courageous? Would you help us to be encouragers? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Thanks. Dan, could you maybe put that last slide up once again? What we're going to do now is we're going to go into our twos and just very briefly... We're going to share one thing that we really want to thank God for with the wonderful news that we've already been hearing this morning about togetherness and unity. We want to do that. And also, is there one takeaway that we want to have as we've been moved by what Pete shared? What is our one takeaway, perhaps? Share that with the person next to you and then pray with them. And then I'll close in a few minutes. Thank you.